Hello, Robert. Uh, how's your day going? It's going good. I got up early and went for about a five mile run. So, oh, nice. I'm super I'm jealous. I can't run right now. Oh, I know. I forgot about that. You and I met, what was it, almost a year ago uh, out in Independence Pass? Uh, yeah, it was back in June, I think, of last year. Okay. Feels like a long time. I know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess we can just kind of just jump right into this here. I just got some questions. Um, you know, we are, uh, have you listened to any of our episodes on, uh, the climbing majority at all? I haven't. Okay. Well, uh, we're basically just, uh, starting this podcast because we feel like there's a growing group of climbers out there that, um, we think are now the climbing majority, you know, with uh, free solo coming out and climbing, hitting the mainstream media. Um, there's just a lot of people coming from gyms, a lot of people discovering climbing that otherwise would not have. And so we're seeing this kind of flood of climbers entering the the market as it were. And, uh, we think that they are more or less underrepresented by the climbing media these days. You know, a lot of the podcasts and the media are focused on what's happening at the, the edges of the sport. And, you know, there's a lot more to climbing than, you know, climbing 514 or going on these crazy international trips and, and just these epic climbs that people are doing, it just doesn't seem very relatable. And so this whole podcast is about bringing, um, bringing the, the focus back to, to everybody who's climbing, you know, regardless of your, of your ability level and just hopefully disseminating some information and some lessons um, that we all have to offer each other. Uh, so that's kind of what this whole podcast is about. Um, okay. And uh, today's particular episode that we're going to be covering is just today's climbing media and its effect on this new majority. Um, <clears throat> a lot of topics we're going to be covering, but for, for you, uh, my questions specifically are because you are a climbing photographer, um, you know, so with a, maybe a little bit of an introduction, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, how'd you get into climbing itself and, and how'd you get into climbing photography? Okay. Uh, I discovered climbing back in the mid nineties. I was living up in Wyoming, actually, and very cool. What uh, what city in Wyoming? I actually lived in Jackson Hole for for a summer. I was in Laramie. Okay. So I was introduced to climbing, uh, just hiking around Vitavu. So I'm not sure if you've ever climbed up there, but it's pretty I famous uh, off with and crack climbing. And uh, yeah, I was just out uh, hiking around one day, and I saw these people just, you know, inching their way up the rock. And I thought, wow, that is so cool. So that was really my, this was back in 95, I think. And so I didn't have any friends. I just moved there. So didn't know any climbers. So I think I went to the University of Wyoming, which is in Laramie. And they had one of those non-credit courses, like introduction to rock climbing. So I signed up and I think the following weekend I was up there learning how to, you know, you start, you know, at the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, how to play, how to be safe and tie knots, stuff like that. I don't think we actually climbed at all the first class. I was pretty bummed. I remember. <laughs> Whereas, so, uh, you know, was the, the climbing focused around, you know, mountaineering and trad climbing or was it focused on, on sport climbing? Uh, I know. Yeah. That's kind of the question that I have. Uh, it was probably more focused on trad climbing. That's mm-hmm. kind of my roots where I got started. Uh, just, uh, you know, how to place gear, how to build anchors, you know? So, I mean, there is, 
I don't know, I wouldn't call it sport climbing. There is some bolted slabs, you know, at Vita Vita. Okay. But I don't Would really you say that uh, you think that the focus on track climbing back then was kind of a, a time, like a generational thing, or was it just because the area you guys were in was just not touched by sport climbing yet? Uh, probably because Vitavu is traditionally uh, a trad climbing area. It's famous for gotcha. tracks and off with climbing. So, okay. That uh, makes sense. Yeah. So how did you, you know, did you, after that day, were you just hooked and just kind of started climbing ever since that? I was hooked immediately. I'm sure you can relate. You're like, oh my oh, God, what is this? I just discovered, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I just slowly started making more friends. And I think what got, uh, I got really lucky. I met this guy, Skip Harper, and he was an older guy. I was in my mid twenties, I think, and he was probably, you know, in his mid forties, early fifties at that point. And turns out he was the local uh, guidebook author for that area. Uh, at the time, heel and toe, that was the name of the guidebook. Mm-hmm. And so uh, once I figured that out, I said, Oh my God, you know, it's like, I'm in, you know, I met this guy and he kind of took me under his wing and we just pretty much climbed every weekend together and i owe a lot to him he he taught me everything you know how to you know place gear how to jam a crack and uh just basically get back uh, home in one piece at the end of the Mm day Mm -hmm. that is the goal yeah How did, uh, how did that transfer into photography? Were you a photographer when you started climbing or did you find it after you started climbing? Uh, after, I mean, you know, I think like a lot of people, I always carried like a little point and shoot camera, you know, mm-hmm. in my pack. you know, I just snap photos of friends and, uh, <clears throat> I would say around fast forward to like 2009 and, that's when I could, I could feel something. I was like, okay, I'm really enjoying this. And, uh, I would go to so much trouble just to get like, you know, that perfect angle setting up, you know, like a, a fixed line. But, uh, at the time I was still just using this little point and shoot. And I realized then, okay, if I'm going to, you know, take this more seriously, you know, I need to step it up. Mm -hmm. So did some research. You you definitely have, (laughs) Yeah, so I, I did some research and uh, went down to the local camera shop here in Boulder and bought a, a Nikon DSLR camera, and uh, that's kind of where it all started. But it was sure. kinda like starting over again because mm-hmm. I had to learn a lot, you know, just how to use the camera. Yeah, for sure. Because I'd been using just a little, you know, point and shoot mm-hmm. up until that point, so... Yeah. These new cameras are a beast to definitely a learning curve. Yeah. So that's automatic kind of, mode only gets you so far. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's kind of how it all evolved right there. Cool. Yeah. That's really awesome. Uh, it's really cool to hear. I've done a little bit of climbing photography myself, but, um, definitely nothing compared to what you've done. And it's been really cool to see, uh, what you've been putting out ever since we met. Thanks. Um, yeah, I guess just jumping into the meat of it here, uh, just jump into, to some questions. Um, you know, so we were talking about, you know, this podcast episode is about climbing media and its effect on this new majority of climbers. And, you know, 
I'm interested to hear your point of view um, regarding a particular topic. And, and to me, it's about media's role in safety. And particularly the topic I want to talk about is um, helmets. So the, the reason why this kind of came up was I came across a post uh, by Jim Thornburg. I came across a post by Jim Thornburg. Do you know who that is? Oh, yeah. Jim's okay. to, he's, he's like the godfather of climbing photography. Okay, very good. He was yeah, a, so he, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. He, he was just a, a really big influence on me as far as uh, climbing photography. Okay. How so? Uh, I mean, like I said, I consider him like the godfather of uh, climbing mm-hmm. photography. And I knew about him back in the 90s. You know, I'd see Jim wow. Thornburg. And so his imagery is just amazing. So I've always really yeah. looked up. Very cool. Yeah. So I, kept, I stumbled across this post and, you know, the topic of, uh, of his post was 100 Classic Cracks Week. And he was posting 10 of them in this particular post. And in this post, he's covering some I mean, these shots are just amazing, um, but some really hard trad climbs, uh, you know, including um, thin ice, lost at sea, uh, heart of darkness, moonlight buttress, you know, some of these iconic, really hard trad routes. And mm-hmm. the one thing I noticed through all these pictures is that no one's wearing a helmet. Um, and these are hard trad climbs. Um, and, you know, I just kind of thought of that. And then I started going through the comments and someone else kind of had the same thought, you know, Hey, you know, there's no helmets in these pictures, you know, why is that? And someone, he, you know, he, he had brought up a, a decent point saying that, you know, he is a, an influencer per se, you know, he has 60,000 followers on Instagram and, you know, people who are getting into climbing for the first time are going to be seeing this media and whether it's conscious or not, they're going to kind of get the message that climbing hard trad is okay without a helmet. And, you know, this, his particular comment blew up on his page and people started really shaming this guy, um, you know, saying really hateful things like, you know, I bet you don't drive a kilometer over the speed limit. I bet you wear a condom when you touch yourself, you know, you know how social, social media can get really nasty, but I was very, I was very interested in, in why people were shaming him so much for bringing up the topic of helmets when people are climbing so dangerously. And, um, This brings me to real my question for you. As a photographer, do you feel that you have any responsibility in how you present your imagery when it comes to safety and when it comes to wearing helmets? Wow, that's a question I've haven't been asked before, and I haven't really given it much thought. Uh, I've always kind of viewed myself as just kind of like the fly on the wall, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of capturing what's happening and uh mm-hmm. you know, if this particular climber doesn't want to wear a helmet you know it's their personal choice you know uh, mm-hmm. uh i mean i tell you the thing i'm thinking what the story you just told me with jim thornberg i mean a lot of i've i've, I've seen these photos you were just talking about because uh, i follow jim on instagram mm-hmm. and a lot of these photos are from way back in the day mm-hmm. and uh you know, when, like, when I got into climbing in the mid nineties, I mean, nobody wore a helmet unless you were like, you know, doing Alpine or like a big wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're just going out cragging or even sport climbing, no, nobody wore a helmet. Mm-hmm. I mean, every now and then you'd see somebody with a helmet on, but it's not like today. Like if you go to mm-hmm. rifle, uh, you see a lot of people wearing helmets. 
you know, yeah, so planning. that's actually uh, kind of brings me up to another question that I have. So I did a little research and um, a statistic ran that said that less than 50% of climbers wear helmets uh, in any given moment. Would you say that that's accurate based on what you've seen? Uh, that today? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sounds about right. Okay. I've noticed. So like know, just a little less than the majority. Yeah. I mean, I definitely notice it more now because I've been climbing for like 25 years mm-hmm. and I definitely see a lot more helmets at the crag now than mm-hmm. I used to. You know, a lot of people, like I've actually been out with people that I'm taking their photos and like, Oh, it's time to take photos. I'm taking the helmet off, you know, cause they want to look cool. Exactly. Yep. I think there's this stigma with wearing a helmet that like you're a, a beginner. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, you- and it's, I think it's interesting because I did some research on some other sports and, you know, like snow sports, there's a large majority of people that wear helmets. Um, same with cycling. It's a large majority, but climbing seems to have this problem where helmets are, are related to being a beginner or, you know, the, the quoting word, the Jerry, you know, it's like a, it's yeah. like a, a thing that's looked down on. And I, I, you know, this whole episode is kind of bringing to light why that is and why not only is it looked down on, but people are clearly shamed for, you know, wanting to wear a helmet. And that, that is the big question for me. Like, why, why is that? Why, why is there so much shame involved? Um, and I think this brings me up to another point. Um, you know, we talk about helmets, but I'm interested in your, your point of view on soloing as well, you know, cause not wearing a helmet's risky, obviously soloing is much more risky, but they are still kind of along the same lines of, you know, adding more risk to the equation and also capturing those moments where the risk is heightened. Um, in terms of soloing, I think that there's a little bit of a conundrum these days. You know, Alex Honnold is getting famous and winning, you know, Hollywood awards for his daredevil ascent of, you know, El Cap. And, you know, he's a professional, he knows what he's doing. But a lot of soloers, I think, are probably inspired by that. And mm-hmm. I think that they're running into issues where they are themselves getting shamed for soloing, even though it's so glorified in the media, or they're, they're, they're like glorified until they get injured or until they die. And then they're straight up shamed for what they did. Um, And it's a very interesting kind of paradox for, for people like that. And I'm just wondering, yeah, like you, you know, people are not promoting safety, but then once, you know, someone dies, it's this horrible thing and people get shamed for, for taking on the risk. So I'm wondering why that is. And I guess for, for my question specifically to you, you know, do you capture soloers? Um, do you have any sort of, uh, stance on that? Uh, I'm trying to think if I've actually got any images of, uh, anyone soloing, uh, you know, it's possible. I might have some, uh, shots of, uh, Brad Gobright. I'm sure you're familiar with him. Mm-hmm. He died in, uh, Mexico back in uh, yeah, in a rappelling accident. It was just terrifyingly yeah. sad. Yeah, Brad was a good friend of mine when he lived around here. Uh, we hung out quite a bit, and you know, he a lot of times when he's solo, he would just go out and do it, and wouldn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. But I know there are photos of him soloing because I think there's a actually a shot in the newest guidebook for El Dorado Canyon, uh, soloing the Dub Griffith. That's like a mm-hmm. pretty pretty serious uh 511 climb but uh yeah so you for you and soloing it sounds kind of like you just uh you 
are the fly on the wall still. And if it, the situation presented itself, then you'd be the, the person taking pictures, but you don't really have a, a particular stance on, on whether or not you would shoot it or not. Yeah. I, I just don't know if I say I got a phone call one day from someone and they said they were going to go solo something. If I would just say, Nope, sorry, can't do that. Just, mm-hmm. I honestly haven't been put in that situation yet. So, uh, but it would be nerve wracking. Like I've, I mean, I've shot photos of uh, friends climbing some pretty serious routes in El Dorado Canyon uh, that had dire consequences. And my palms were sweating, you know, just watching them. Yeah. Sometimes I felt like I was just as nervous as they were. Yeah. That's just, I don't know. Uh, that's what El Dorado Canyon's kind of all about, the history of it, I guess. No. It's just being a risky area to climb. Uh, I mean, a lot of the climbing there is, it is risky. You got to stick your neck out and, you know, if you get through it, you just you're like, Ooh, I'm glad that's over with. What's the, what's the risk? Is it bad gear? Is it long falls? Uh, yeah. Usually lack of gear or the gear you do get isn't that, you know, reliable. It's interesting. Be, it's like almost sounds like it should be a sport crag. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just the history of El Dorado Canyon. I'm not sure if you've climbed there very much, but uh, I have not. No, unfortunately, my, my, the majority of my time I spent in Colorado was up in Aspen. Okay. I mean, it just, that's the El, uh, El Dorado Canyon is just kind of famous for that. Just kind of bold climbing. Mm-hmm. Just, it goes back for decades. And I think that's an interesting point. Um, you know, this whole topic about risk, I think that risk is kind of like built into the sport, into the roots. Um, and it's almost like a badge of honor to, to pass these tests of, of getting through these risky situations, you know, with your physical prowess and the things that people are and were doing in these situations are, are super risky and that they're so talented that, they're able to do it. And I think from, from this new climbing majority's viewpoint, it's hard to understand just how skilled and how proficient these people are doing these things. And it's easy to, to have confidence to go after certain things like this without being prepared enough. And I think that's the kind of the conundrum that this whole episode's about. Um, and I guess I'll pose this question to you. Like, do you feel that today's climbing uh, media um, whether, you know, whoever's creating media, whether that's Jim Thornburg or yourself or rock and ice magazine, do you think it's their job to incorporate promoting safety into their imagery? And yeah, if not, whose responsibility does it lie on? It's a good question. Cause I know in years past, if climbing or rock and ice ran a cover with someone climbing without a helmet, they would get all kinds of nasty emails to the editor because they would post mm-hmm. them, you know, letters to the editor, you know, shame on you for, you know, showcasing a, a climber and not wearing a helmet and that's not responsible. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It's, you know, it's a, like you say, it's a sticky situation. So I'm not sure how I feel, whether every photo that, it's published in a uh, climbing magazine the climber should be wearing a helmet or not mm-hmm. uh, i'm still i don't know maybe i'm just old school i feel like it's 
the climber's personal choice. And uh, mm -hmm. I know. Yeah, I definitely think that the argument can be made. You know, it's a free country. Everybody gets to, you know, do what they want to do. And it's not uh, it's not the media's job to. You know, if someone looks at a picture of someone not wearing a helmet and then goes out and not wears a helmet and kills himself, it's not the media's fault for that person doing that. Um, but there is this unavoidable thing that's happening, you know, with risk and safety, kind of the way it's being portrayed in some media, it is going to have an effect on this new climbing majority, regardless of whether you want it to or not. And so right. it's this kind of, it's kind of this, um, this puzzle you know, how do, how do we, how do we maintain freedom and let, you know, obviously everybody should be able to do what they want. And photography is about capturing a moment and not controlling that moment too much, especially when it comes to climbing. So, you know, how do we, how do we promote the safety and, and battle, um, the, the image that comes out on both sides. So, yeah, right. I mean, that's just kind of what this is all about. Um, just kind of having an open conversation about, about all that, but I totally understand where you're coming from and, I, I too feel the same. I don't think that, you know, all climbing imagery should just be people wearing helmets and have it completely controlled like that. I don't think that that is a, a place, but um, definitely it's a, it seems to be a heated topic here on media. So that's why we're talking about it today. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it takes anything away from an image if the climber has a helmet on, but that's an interesting uh, statement. I I'm interested that you say that. I think that when I look at an image with a helmet and one without it's, it's, it's hard. I think that there's something, there's a statement made by someone not wearing a helmet. I think it's like mastery. That's what I feel. Um, yeah. and I think that there, there is something, something said to not wearing a helmet, you know, you're, you are making a statement, um, by doing that. Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on like Go back to the 70s in Yosemite Valley, you know, the Stone Masters, Ron Cow and John Backer and those guys. And, you know, here are these guys, they look like something out of Greek mythology, you know, these honed, you know, tan bodies wearing these little shorts, long flowing hair. And that's just the, the image, you know, that, that, mm -hmm. back then. But, you know, that was a long time ago. You know, we're talking 40 years ago now. Mm -hmm. but, you know, yeah, there's definitely a shift coming. I think that with, you know, part of this whole podcast is that new climbing majority entering the scene. And I think that with that comes a big shift in the sport. And I think that there's a lot of people that, um, are upset about it <clears throat> and I can totally understand why, but I think at this point it's unavoidable and it's going to be how we choose to, to move forward. Um, whether that's, you know, continuing to, to have groups that ostracize and shame new climbers for crowding crags and, and being Jerry's and stuff. Uh, or, you know, do we find a way to incorporate these people and educate them and, and get them to a place where they can be a, an active part of this community? Because I think for the most part, you know, yeah, people can be new and stuff, but overall people are coming to the crags because they're stoked because they're excited and because they found the love for the sport that everybody else has as well. So yeah, it's just a, an interesting time that we're in right now. Yeah, I mean, it is because I, I mean, I can definitely see a huge, I've seen a huge explosion in climbing. And, you know, now it's in the Olympics. And yep. after the, the free solo movie, I've 
often wondered because you know that won an academy award so that was mm-hmm. mainstream. big time so, you know just uh i hear you have a book coming out you want to tell us a little bit about uh that and and how people can find it oh yeah uh, well it's basically a book of all my climbing imagery over the last oh, almost 12 years and the book is called through my lens a decade of images and stories uh but yeah, there's a lot of cool stories to kind of go along with the images. And, uh, I'm pretty, pretty psyched about it. It took uh, almost a year and a half to uh, put this thing out. I started during the pandemic and everyone was in lockdown. So I had a lot of free time. Wow. And so yeah, I just started. I honestly had no idea what I was going to do with it. It just started putting uh, images together and you know, I said, oh, I remember that day and had a little story up. And mm-hmm. actually at one point I kind of lost interest in it and didn't touch it for months. And then all of a sudden one day I said, you know, I should get back into that. So I got in there and I, I finished it and I've uh, got one copy of the book, you know, a master copy. And I have another shipment on the way. Should be here probably the first week of February. Okay, very cool. If uh, people are interested in purchasing it, where can they do so? Uh, you know, you can just contact me through Instagram, Rob Kepley underscore photography or robkepley.com. Okay. Just, you know, get touch with me that way. Cool. I'll get your info and get a copy out to you. Awesome. Yeah. I'll, uh, we're going to put uh, your links and uh, your handles on our, on our little description for this episode so people can find you. Um, but yeah, definitely check them out, everyone. Um, just some amazing photography, check out his site. And uh, I guess last question for you, Rob, you know, for our audience, uh, do you have any sort of final message or a lesson for, for someone that might be interested in getting into climbing photography? Oh, and climbing photography. Uh, yeah. I think uh, probably the biggest thing is just get out there and shoot and keep shooting and just figure out what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. Uh, that's kind of how it all worked for me. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time. Uh, it was an awesome conversation and yeah, well, uh, well we're going to be recording the rest of the episode uh, tomorrow and uh, we're going to work this conversation into the, into the episode. So once it's uh, posted, I'll go ahead and send you a link. Okay. Great, Kyle. Good talking to you. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much, Rob. Um, have an awesome day and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk again soon. Okay. Take care. Awesome. Bye.